Uh, thank you for coming. Uh, to confess, I feel a little nerves, uh, as always, at this service, just uh, wrestling with the gravity of what uh, we are talking about today. Um, in some ways, it is a challenge, not, it is always a challenge to ex- explain something, but it is much more of a challenge to wrestle with something very heavy and sensitive as we have um, here, here this evening. Um, but I'm glad you're here, glad you're here with me. Uh, we're all here together. Uh, I'm going to read a few words from Mark chapter 8. This will be verses 31 through 38 that will set the tone for uh, really the rest of the service. And Jesus began to teach uh, the disciples that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world... And forfeit his soul. For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be shamed, ashamed when he comes in glory of his Father with the holy angels. Uh, These might be familiar words to you, and there's some ways that uh, even though we're here to talk about Jesus, we're going to end up having to talk about ourselves to some degree as well, because being disciples of Jesus, uh, our identity is, and Jesus' identity are linked, um, and that Jesus is both our Savior and our victor who came for us, um, and he is also the one who bids us to follow and to come after him, um, that he has formed and he has shaped our identity, uh, patterned uh, even our way of life. Um, after his. And so, and we see these two things in this passage of both what Jesus is about to do and what he is something that he is calling on his uh, uh, followers to do as well. Uh, and I just want to say a few words about what some of these metaphors mean, um, even though these might be familiar verses of what does it mean to take up our cross uh, and to follow Jesus. Um, and in a sense, you know, the cross um, was a symbol um, of death. Um, and what Jesus is commending to his disciples that um, how they would be marked uh, both, you know, personally, publicly and as a group, a community of people would be by death. Uh, that is a death to uh, the worldly system, to a means of um, a network and relationships, why they would how they would insulate themselves, uh, gain profit, um, have some kind of a self promotion or self actualization, these kinds of things. But all those have to do, particularly if we look at Jesus, it is not just about those things themselves, but it is more about the central call of his father, of who sent him to do something and who called him to to himself. And for Jesus, there was nothing, everything was dissolved around him except for that one calling of his father. That Jesus entrusted himself, he put everything of his, of, that he had, his well-being in the hands of his, of his, of his heavenly father. And that is what he is calling his people to do at the same time. What this is calling for, we might think it is a call to some kind of a heroic suffering or um, self-masochism or something like that of glory and suffering, and it's not that. 
But I think it is something much deeper and much more personal. And that what he is asking for is a death to our own autonomy, uh, to our own um, ability um, and drive to make a life the way that we want, uh, to provide for ourselves in the way that we want, um, and, and rather to entrust everything we have to put it in his hands, that he is the one who gets to say uh, where we go and what we do. He is the one who gets to say what we experience, what we don't experience, and he is the one who gets to say um, um, into what circumstances he will lead us. Uh, it is a very heavy and it is a very challenging call. And this goes deeply. I'll just give you one illustration. Uh, my, my, my wife gave me uh, is an article or something a few years ago about Harry Potter, if you're a Harry Potter fan. Um, it, it's an interesting thing that um, Voldemort, who's the big bad wizard, the bad guy, um, almost gets under our skin a little bit less than Dolores Umbridge, who is the, the wicked, sweet school teacher. And I think it is because of this reason, because Voldemort, as evil and as powerful as he is, in some ways it's a fair fight. Like you stand up against him, you're smaller, and you're dead, and that's it. Um, Dolores Umbridge is different. Uh, she uses her influence and her power to change the rules um, to in a conniving way that actually bends the will um, of the people under her in order to enforce a kind of obedience. And if that doesn't get under your skin, there's just something about that that gets under our skin as human beings like nothing else. And what I'm not doing is trying to compare Jesus with Dolores Umbridge. Um, but what I am trying to do is isolate that feeling. Uh, because we all have that feeling. We all know what that's like, especially when we go through hardship, as anyone goes through hardship in life. But as followers of Jesus, knowing that it is our Savior who, in some ways, who allowed that to happen, who put us there. And then to be able to say that his way is good, that he gives and he takes away. Um, and it just, there's something that is so violating, I think, about that. Uh, this could be when we're faced with suffering in some ways um, that we don't understand. It could be just if we, that we have more of a boring life than we wished, that all of our hopes and dreams are not fulfilled um, in some ways, that Jesus has asked us to do something much more humble and plain um, than we would want. Um, to go through life with that sense of unfulfilled longing or want. Um, and to entrust that to Jesus is just as much a part of, that, of this as anything else. And so what I'm driving at is that what, one of the things that, that we are being confronted with when we are being confronted with the suffering of Jesus is it's asking us a very deep and a personal question. We're going to talk about the victory of Jesus when it comes to Easter, and there are so many aspects of what Jesus did that we could talk about, but I really want, I really think what Jesus' suffering is doing uniquely is that it is leaning into something very sensitive and personal in our hearts, and it is asking us to entrust our whole well-being, whether that is our joys or our pains, or anything that could be, and to put it in his hands. And to say, this is good, and you are good, and you will take care of me into the end. And the question is, who in their right mind can do that? How do we, our autonomy-loving people, who know nothing more than how to protect ourselves and to seek to get what we want, entrust our whole lives, body and soul, um, to our Savior in life and in death? 
And this is where Jesus' suffering comes into play, because it is in confronted with his suffering, in particular, that we get to see Jesus, um, in, in, we get to see his character in a unique, in a very unique way. Again, it's not, at this point, it's not just about the victory and it's not just about the rewards that, that Jesus gives his, his disciples for belonging to him and those kinds of things. Although they're great, and if you catch it, it's actually in our self-interest um, to belong to Jesus because he says the one who loses their life will save it. Uh, but that's not, again, what I'm not talking about at this point. I think the suffering of Jesus, above anything else, it really clearly communicates the love of God. It communicates something deeply about his character and how he went through what he had to, to go through uh, out of obedience to his Father and for our sake. And it's in the suffering of Jesus that we see a total lack of self-interest on God's part. That he is not in it for himself, but he is in it for our sakes. To give up himself out of love uh, for his people. Um, just practically, it shows his great foresight that he alone who knows everything is able to solve the calculation of what suffering is worth it and what is not worth it. He has the wisdom who is able to do that. We see that in his willingness to suffer uh, for us. We see the tremendous value that he holds his people in. We see his great protection over us and that he is willing to take the lion's share of the pain. I mean, it's like he wraps himself around us as a cloak and he absorbs um, the greatest pain, even that we don't know about, um, that we thankfully will never experience. It shows this huge investment in us, even in life, even as we are suffering, a deep closeness and fellowship of willing to get down into the mess, whatever it is with us, and to go side by side, arm in arm, walking through whatever it is that we are going, we are going through. It is an unimaginable love um, that Jesus is crying out to us on the cross. And that's the message I really want us to to really take to heart and to pay attention to as we're going to read these scriptures later on, is to see the love of Christ, that he is the one who is asking us to entrust our lives to him, to see what he is doing uh, for our sakes. I want to point out another thing that uh, really struck me when I was um, looking at this passage. I found it really interesting that uh, when Jesus is saying these words, of course, he had not been crucified yet. Like he's using these words of uh, take up your cross. And of course, it was a familiar um, symbol is how the Romans would punish their greatest criminals and to make an example of them in that way. But he hadn't done what he had done yet. Um, so in a sense, in that moment, the cross didn't quite have the same meaning um, that it would have um, later on. But what a gift it is that he gave to his disciples, that whenever they would face whatever they would face in the future, which were great things, that rather than focusing them, then their attention on themselves and their own strength and what they could do, even in just this language, he gave them, um, he gave them the story. That those things that would remind them of what Jesus did for them, not what they do for Jesus. Every single suffering that we go through in some ways, um, as followers of Christ who are marked by the cross, they point to the greater suffering of Jesus. Every bit of, of loneliness and isolation we feel, they point to the greater loneliness and isolation of Jesus. And this is not to minimize those things for us, but it is to point to something far greater 
who has given himself for us. And at the end of the day, what we really need um, for our faith to grow, uh, for our autonomy to weaken, for that movement to happen of trust, of ourselves belonging to God's hands and a comfort with that, it is not more inner strength. And it is not a focusing on ourselves, a self-discipline or those kind of things. In order for faith to grow, what it needs is the object that the faith is in to be grow and to be much bigger. Our faith is inseparably linked with the faithfulness of our Savior. The bigger Jesus is to us, the more our hearts, even in their most sensitive places, can turn and give themselves to him. And I think that's what this, this service is for. Um, this service is about telling that story again and again and again. From whatever lens or vantage point we are at, it is pointing, uh, it is recognizing those things, and it is pointing to something bigger in Jesus Christ who gave himself up for us. And so I just want to echo again what Charles said a second ago, that even though this is, these are hard things to pay attention to, I encourage you to pay attention to them deeply, uh, to not look away. Uh, because what we have in front of us is our loving Savior, um, who suffered greatly, who endured agony, but through that agony is a hand that is reaching out to his own people who are suffering uh, to grab them and to hand them the life uh, that we all desperately want.